Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Welcome to the Football Writers Podcast. My name's Mike Calvin. I'm joined by Darren Lewis of the Daily Mirror and Tom Hopkinson of the Sunday Mirror. The new stadium looks fantastic, but Tottenham's season is on a knife edge. Are they pretenders or contenders? Could they even be kingmakers? They're at Liverpool on Sunday and travel to City during the run-in. So I suppose, Darren, one question... Which way are the cards going to fall? <laughs> well, it depends, I would imagine, on two things. How this break has treated them, what they've done in that break. Because before the break, there were one win from five, no win in four in the Premier League. And so, really, they needed to maybe just recalibrate, calm down a bit. During that period, of course, of, of poor form, Pochettino was first arm round the shoulder, then he was big stick, accusing them of complacency, a little bit of arrogance as well. So it really depends on how they've reacted in, in, in the international break. A few of them have obviously gone away with their, with their countries. But also it depends on how they've adapted to the new stadium. I've been there, had a tour with a, a couple of other journalists last Friday. It's magnificent. It's a fantastic home. It was a really emotional uh, introduction to life at the new stadium on Sunday. Uh, the uh, young players were all playing there. They performed really well. The atmosphere was fantastic. The reception was magnificent as well. And I think there might now be a little bit of stability at the club. The fans are now back on side. They were stopping going to Wembley. They'd had enough of having to go to the National Stadium. Attendances were down. I wonder if that might have transmitted itself to the team, the lack of support. There's all sorts of things. I think now that they would, they are home, I just wonder if that stability might work in Tottenham's favour and the feel-good factor will propel them to getting better results in the last, what, eight games of the season. Mm, they're going to get set outs, obviously, and there will be you know, an emotional kick on, won't there? There will. Um, I just think it's terrible that they're, they're being allowed to go in at such a late stage of the season. I sort of understand teams being given a bit of leeway at the start of a campaign after some development work, as we saw at Liverpool a couple of years ago, or West Ham with their move into the London Stadium. But I, I really think it's unfair that Tottenham are going to have this advantage. And we, we expect it to be an advantage, of course, as, as Darren said. Look, it is an incredible stadium. Can't wait to go there and sample the atmosphere and, and see this fascinating new stand you know I mean it really does look a wonderful place but I just think if Tottenham do get a boost then it's unfair 
for the teams that they've played uh, at Wembley, you know, when they were playing against teams who have got relegation candidates coming up as well, you know, are they going to perform differently against those relegation candidates than they did against the others earlier in the season because of their surroundings? Is it going to have a, a different effect? Are Spurs going to be feeling their way into this new home and, and, and is that going to give a boost to the teams that are lower down the league, uh, you know, rather than those who had to go to Wembley where they were comfortable and, and already settled in? So um, I don't agree with that, but I do agree that it will fire them on and uh, it's going to make this Champions League fixture with Manchester City The only thing I would say is that as far as Spurs are concerned, what helps them so far is their form. Because although I mentioned those stats about the last five games, defensively they have been consistent. Only Liverpool and Manchester City with a better defensive record so far this season. So wherever they play, they defend very well. They're very well organised. Also... If they were to go into a new stadium, and we've seen with other clubs as well, the first few games, the results actually aren't that good, mm. but the history tells us. But it happened at Wembley, didn't it, with, with Tottenham when they went there? Yeah. And people were saying the Wembley's factor, and we made a big thing about it. The I Wembley really hoodoo and all that. Wembley, exactly, the Wembley yeah. hoodoo. And... Um, so actually, it's more likely to work against them. Well, that's the point. You know, whichever way it goes, it, that's to the benefit mm. of the teams who have got to go to the new White Hart Lane then, uh, or the new Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, as it's called. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, and, and, and those teams who went to Wembley where they were settled were at a disadvantage. So I think they'd be well within their rights to be upset about it. Yeah. Well, we're in an age, uh, Darren, where we're, we're almost obliged to concentrate on the bottom line, the business plan. Let's look at that from Tottenham's perspective. It's absolutely critical that they qualify for the Champions League, absolutely, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah. Absolutely it is. Because if they want to hold on to the best players, if they want to hold on to the manager, if they want to attract high-caliber replacements, if, for example, they were to lose Christian Eriksen, who's got a year left on his contract, and Toby Alderweireld as well, who's got a year left, then they've got to be in a, playing in the elite competition in Europe. They've got a stadium to pay for now. With the stadium, for example, with the press room, will double, as I understand it. On, on non-match days, they'll open it up to the public, so it'll be like a cafeteria and all that. Every little helps in terms of mm. being able to draft in revenue. We know about the NFL. Mm. Two NFL matches at Wembley, two are going to be at White Hart Lane. Retractable st uh, pitch allows for them to be able to accommodate the likes of the Los Angeles Rams. And, 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 and Daniel Levy, he sweats the asset, doesn't he? Absolutely, he does. Terms. Absolutely, he does. He will ensure that in any way possible for them to make money out of that stadium, they can do. I don't know if I have too much of a problem with that because I think clubs are doing that more and more now. You look at the Emirates and the fact that you know they're available for uh, international games involving uh, higher caliber teams. So, but but you're right as far as Daniel Lee is concerned, he does indeed sweat the asset yeah you're right. I, th I think the Champions League though I, I think is lost a little bit of it, it sort of you know have to get in <coughs> Tottenham this year I think let's not be silly and say they don't need to get in there of course they're going to need every extra penny but I think with Pochettino they've had a, a stroke of luck that Real Madrid have already made the change in manager so there's absolutely no chance he's going there I know the, the suggestion in uh, in our papers over the weekend that uh, there's a fear uh, by some people at Spurs that uh, he could still go to Manchester United. but Do you I think, think that'll happen? Uh, no, I, I don't at the moment. I, I, I think I can probably see it for in another year's time, but I still think they're probably going to go with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. I, I think they'll give him the year, and I, I think that will work for everyone. I think Pochettino gets to have a year with Tottenham in the new ground. But I think I think even if they, from, from a player's perspective, the, the chance to go, because it's not just 
the new stadium, which will be incredible to play in. The training facilities that Tottenham have got now are are as, as good as anyone's. They're fantastic. So I think they still have the ability to entice players, even if they do lose an Ericsson or an old Vireld. I think people will want to go and work with Pochettino. Um, they'll want to go and play in those facilities, train every day in those facilities. So I, I don't think it'll be quite as catastrophic as, as perhaps we think if they do miss the out. The talk of as Jack, Gre- of Jack Grealish, that talk has been amplified again, hasn't it? Yeah, of course. And, and you know, look, we, we know, I mean, he's had, he's had a very good season, hasn't he? The way he's come back at Aston Villa. Um, I've liked the spikiness that he's shown in the last couple of weeks as well. You know, that let's let's bring it on. I'm, I'm, I'm maturing. I'm happy to deal with it, whatever, whatever is going to be thrown at me. And uh, I think that will I think that will appeal. I think I think he'd be a, a, I'm not saying he'd go straight in as a replacement for Ericsson because Ericsson is one of the best mm. players in the Premier League or has been. Is that Grealish? Uh, yeah, I don't think he'd, he'd go in there, but I think if you know, if perhaps they could keep an Ericsson or, or say to Grealish, you know, come in and, and learn off Son, learn off the other players, learn off Delhi, you know, and, and, and spend a year playing with them, I, I think ultimately that would be a really good time. Yeah, I, I'd agree with that. I think Grealish is a good player, but I don't think he's near the calibre of the, the players that Spurs have got. And we I can't expect him to be there. yet, can we? I mean, do, do you think... He's been he... talked about as being, you know, I mean, I remember that he was £30 million Aston Villa wanted for him in mm. the summer that um, mm. Spurs were Because Tottenham were looking at spending 25 weren't they? Yeah, yeah. And, and I remember then... <laughs> couple of people I've been in an ongoing debate shall we say with, <laughs> about Chris but I just couldn't believe it I mean he's a championship player he's a good championship player absolutely but you know people sometimes have a go at Daniel Levy and say you know he's misling whatever and I just wonder if he's one of those sane voices in a in a, in a game that is just full of excess and players you know being paying over the odds for players and people throwing the money around because they've got it Fulham you know in some cases West Ham lots of clubs they just spend that money because they haven't got it and he looks at players and says you are decent but you're not quite there yet Mm. I'm not going to spend that money if it means we have to carry on without you we'll do that and we'll come back at a time when either you've improved or you've shown us that you are worth the outlay I think you've got a manager who agrees with that philosophy as well though hasn't he and that's why in tandem, they work so well together. I mean, Pochettino knows that there's no point, you know, there's no point going out and buying players that aren't going to challenge for a place in the first team. And there aren't that many players around who are going to walk into Tottenham's first team. Mm. We had um, Tony and Seb on last week and, and they both were quite bullish about Tottenham's prospects against City in the Champions League. Yeah, do you give them a good chance in that? Yeah, I mean, look, they, they, they have got a, a good chance. I think over 180 minutes, I'm going to err with Manchester City winning the game. But, if Tottenham go uh, go up against City and do to them in the first half an hour what Liverpool did to them last season, then all bets are off, aren't they? You know, it, it, they, and, and Tottenham are as capable of doing that, I think, as Liverpool were at this stage last season. I'm still going to go with Liverpool. I, I don't. I don't agree with Tony and Seb on that. I, think, I still think go with City. Uh, sorry, go with City. I still think City will be the team <coughs> that progresses from the round, but. I, I wouldn't be sitting here and, and putting my mortgage on, uh, on on that being exactly the case. Looking at Liverpool, as I said, they're, they're there on Sunday. What's your feeling of how they're placed for the running? They're back, aren't they? I mean, there were two wins from two wins from seven uh, during a period that saw them lose top spot to City. And in that period, all the questions came up. I remember being at a couple of their games, uh, in particular the West Ham game, where they were just unrecognisable from the side that were defensively strong and offensively so powerful. But there are three wins from their last three, and the confidence appears to be coming back. The 
love the creativity is coming back. Sadio Mane has been outstanding so much so that Marker had him on their front page either yesterday or today. Zinedine Zinedine wants him. And there have been loads of names that Zinedine Zinedine probably wants. I think I saw your name on there, actually. Oh, good. Um, but, <laughs> I'm available. Um, <laughs> but um, Mane is, has been the one consistent name that, that he, he is understood to be interested in, understandably so. The vision the ability to get in behind defensive, the cutting edge, um, the, the the way that he unsettles defenders because the timing of his runs are so good. He can create goals out of nothing, as we saw against Bayern Munich. Mm. There are so many different facets to Sadio Mane's game mm. that you can understand why Zinedine Zidane could see him as the perfect kind of player to reinvigorate Real Madrid. And the interesting thing about his interest in him I remember when uh, covering Spurs when he want Zinedine said I wanted Bale, and said it, I always remember what he said at the time. He said, "Bale is a is a kind of player that can help a team that wins a league to win the Champions League," and of course Bale went on to win three Champions Leagues out of four. Mm. Um, I'm still not taken to him. Four out of six. <laughs> four out of six. Yeah, four yeah. out of six indeed. And and I think as far as Mane is concerned, I think he is. I can understand why he would be the type of player to really go all the way to the top. But I also can see Liverpool saying, absolutely not, you will not leave this club. They've already committed him to a new deal. Um, and I think he is the kind of player that will keep Liverpool at the top, challenging for top honours. Because that's, that's the key, isn't it? You know, we've mentioned it in the past, that Liverpool have sold on the, the, the bigger, the bigger mm. players. Even now, someone like Cater, who's having a poor season by common consent, there were some stories around at the weekend that they could ship it out for £50 million, immediately denied by Klopp. He wants stability. doesn't need anything else, does he? Doesn't no. He doesn't need these sort of transfer stories. No, he doesn't. I mean, I'll stand corrected on, on Mane if it does happen and, and if he goes on to be a huge success at the Bernabeu, but I, I think he's not been consistent enough yet. Sure, can I? No, I, I, don't, I don't think he 11 has. 11 goals in 11 games? Well, so you get a move to Real Madrid because you've scored 11 goals. I mean, I mean, so I'm talking over, over, I'm talking over three, four years. You know, five years. I, I still don't think he's His been. Numbers are insane I, over I the still, last well, I, I, No, I, I still don't think he's been at the level. I know Hazard has had seasons where he's been up and seasons where he's been down, but I can see why you would link him with Real Madrid. I can see why Christian Eriksen would interest him. Mane, I'm just, I'm just not there. I, I, you know, look, I'll, I'll, I'll bow down to. We'll have this discussion when we go out for our right. meal at the end of the season. <laughs> yeah, the, the Arsenal stuff, which we will get to later in the show, but oh, yes. I, I just don't. See that he's he's in he's quite in that category yet. He could be. I see he could be. But mm. anyway, but I think I think in terms of the question, the direct question you asked, I think Jurgen Klopp needs to use Felipe Coutinho as the poster boy of why you shouldn't be so quick to jump ship and go to a Barcelona, go to a Real Madrid. Stay here, stay at Anfield. Look what we're building. Look at the progress we've made. Look at the way we've kicked on just by signing Van Dijk, by signing Allison. We've got the platform here to be challenging for every single trophy for the next four or five years. And, and if he can convince players to stay there, then they're on the brink of something very, very good. Yeah. I'd like to sort of broaden the debate around uh, Mane. You know, like many African players, charity begins at home. Mm. He's gone back to Senegal. He's built a school. His ambition is to build a hospital in the way that Didier Drogba did. Do we actually pay enough attention to how much good a footballer can do in that situation? 
I, think, I don't think we do. I mean, and, and it's great that you've highlighted this. I mean, the school is in Bambali in southern Senegal. He's, he's uh, committed £200,000 to the building of this school. Um, and he's done it because um, he talked about, he has talked about the fact that he hasn't hadn't had the education that he wanted and he wants to ensure that young children, where he comes from, have the opportunity to do that. Salif Diaw, the former Liverpool player, he too did a very similar thing as well. There are a number of uh, African players that have gone back, not forgotten where they've come from, tried to um, improve the communities that they've come out of. Uh, and I think it is important for us to remember that so that their success is put into context because all too often we don't and we have this one-dimensional image of footballers. That is very unfair. Uh, we can see when we... I've always felt and I remember there were, there'd been a big debate about Claude Makélélé when he was at Real Madrid, uh, and and you know he said, "Yeah, you're a French player, but you're very unremarkable, um, and um, you know we're not going to give you the money that we're giving to some of the stellar players." You know, and there'd always been this opinion that uh, across Europe, if you're black or African, you know, obviously he's French, but if you're black or African, you you don't get the kudos, you know, all the financial remuneration, the commercial elevation that other players get um, but for the players it's not really as much about the money and, 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 and for themselves it's about the communities that they've left behind that they want to be able to improve. Drogba's done a very similar thing yeah. as well. But it's very similar if you look at, let's look at Liverpool as we were talking about Liverpool, you've got Trent Alexander-Arnold mm -hmm. helping out with the food banks, you've got Andrew, yeah. Andy Robertson doing the same thing. Yeah. It's all about almost like that reconnection with the reality of, of you know, the, the supporters' lives. Both clubs on Merseyside have been fantastic with, yeah. with the whole food bank uh, programme. Um, I, I think... Newcastle too. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. And I was ju just listening to, to Darren talk and he's absolutely right um, about what he's saying about Mane and, and Drogba. But, you know, I think over the years, footballers have done lots and lots of good but have never sought the publicity for it. I remember, um, I'm, not, I'm not naming because he, he, he didn't want naming at the time, but years and years ago, a, a former England player saw a, a story on the front page of the Sunday People and it was uh, about a young girl who needed to go off to America for uh, treatment, uh, an operation, uh, and the following week, the phone came into the editor's office he wants to pay for everything that needs, he will take care of everything, get sorted, okay, can we do a big story on it? Not interested, no, I just, it's it's there, it's my gesture, I want to sort this out, I read the story, it moved me, let's get it done. And, and it, you know, it worked like that. And, and so often footballers have been involved with charitable programmes, charitable work that they don't want that recognition for. So it's sometimes we'd love to write about those stories, Absolutely. wouldn't we? You know, it, it can, the, the, it would be great to go and do a piece with them about those human interest stories. Um, but, but because there's a misconception that it happens only, only in America. You've got LeBron James and all those superstars who build schools and, and, and improve the communities that they've come from because they wait with their hands out for the authorities to do it and they don't get what they want, you know, that kind of support. So they say, I'll reinvest my own money into improving the facilities and the communities and providing books and providing infrastructure for young people to be able to make a success of their lives. And, and they don't do it for the kudos. They do it because they see it as a necessity. Mm. And it's, we often, as you, as you rightly say, Tom, 
we often do want to be able to give those guys a publicity, but they don't want to make it about them. I think the, the difference now, though, is, is that people and, and players and so many people around the game advising them, they, they realise that it's not just themselves they're promoting with the food bank. It's it's not just about promoting Trent Alexander-Arnold and, oh, look at me, look how good I am. It, it's about promoting the fact that there are there is this story happening, there are people Absolutely. who are in need, and so the more awareness you can bring to it, and I think probably probably the whole game is waking up to that a little if bit more than it did. Down the league, you've got um, Mamadou Sakho at Crystal Palace, who, who the Daily Mirror did a, a, a focus on the homeless, and, and, and he was... Well, Will Sahar's done, done some that. stuff as, uh, well, Palace as well. Sahar as well. You look at Nathan Redmond at Southampton and the work he's done for... There are so many players yeah. up and down the Premier League who do this kind of thing, but they don't call the public, Raheem Sterling mm. and the work that he has done uh, in his local community. We all know about the, the, the Murray Dawkins situation, mm. but there is also work that he's done in, in, in that borough of Brent, you know, but hasn't it's been highlighted, but he's not sought publicity for it. He just wants to do it. Mm. He wants to let the money, the, the work, do the talking. Mm. We'll talk about Sterling in the context of England a little bit later. Um, but let's look at City, if we could, Tom. Um, you know, you talked about stories we'd like to write. We're going to be writing about the quadruple, aren't we? Ad nauseum. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Ed dear. Mike. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, I, I, I hope we are. Uh, and I, I know, obviously, uh, supporters of other clubs will think differently. Um, but, it, it, you know, we, when you look back to the, the fellas who were fortunate enough to cover Manchester United's treble um, and, and some of the stories, you know, the fact we still talk about it now, I, I'd, I'd hope for... Uh, for English football, it would be lovely to see City win the, quad the quadruple. And that's coming from someone who doesn't like, you know, mm. the same old story being written year after year after year. I mean, we, we can all agree that the Leicester tale remains probably our, our yeah, favourite favourite season to have covered in, mm. in recent years. But it, it, would, uh, it would just be um, a pinnacle for a team that has brought the neutral supporters amongst us a lot of joy watching them week after week after week, whether it's on highlight shows or, or watching them live. So um, I, I, I'm, I'm going to stop short of saying that we are going to be writing about it ad nauseum, but I think there is a good chance or as, as good a chance as ever that we could be. What, what are the keys, Darren? You know, let's look at it realistically. They've got a pretty straightforward task at Fulham on the weekend. Um, what are the keys to the running for them? Keeping their best players fit. Uh, the form of Gabriel Jesus, who has been decent, but not quite as electrifying of late as he has been in the past. Um, Sergio Aguero has been magnificent. Sterling has been out of this world. Uh, Sane um, had an injury, bad tackle on him during the international break, notwithstanding, um, will be key for them as well. Defensively, they're going to need to be really on their game. And I don't think... And to be fair to Guardiola, he hasn't been allowing his players to be complacent, but I don't think they can take any one game for granted. City as a club will know all about Wigan and the FA Cup final to know that they can't take anyone in the FA Cup remaining lightly. Uh, the Champions League is also going to be key. I think we underestimate so many high-caliber teams in the Champions League. Barcelona, Lionel Messi, the performance the other day against Betis was just sensational. Cristiano Ronaldo has been bought by Juventus to win the Champions League and that performance to to get them into the latter stages single-handedly was just brilliant. And and so although as a team City are, are 
just pure gold. You're mm. right, and they've brought us so much joy. There are still formidable obstacles for them to overcome if they are to win the Champions Even League. Even Liverpool, Liverpool's history with the Champions League, they feel comfortable playing in that competition. Their fans feel it's a competition they, I wouldn't say own, but you know, really belonging at the top. Mm. Do City have that belief yet in, in the Champions yeah. League? I don't know. There's some talk, Tom, that the Champions League, I think UEFA are pushing for this, and certainly, you know, I was in Barcelona uh, last year talking to the hierarchy and they would support this that the Champions League will be restructured and played at the weekends what do you think? Um, I'm not surprised that, that that's something they're looking at I, I think it would be dreadful uh, if, if it were to go that way I think Champions League games under the floodlights on a Tuesday and Wednesday evening there's something very special about them particularly you know being at an Anfield or even somewhere like Stamford Bridge you know it's so enjoyable um, being in those atmospheres for European games but I think I already think there's Football saturation. I thought we'd reached saturation point, but I think if we start playing European Cup competitions on a weekend, then we're either going to see the Premier League extended or we might have to change the format of it and lessen the number of teams in it, which um, I, I, I think there's obviously going to have to be a, have to be a lot of discussions mm. and manoeuvring around that. But um, it, it's just it's just another way of... of, of money-making, isn't it, from UEFA's perspective. Um, so I can understand why they're doing it, but do I agree with it? No, I don't. No, I, I, I agree with Tom. I think it's a way of making money for them, but it would just mess up the, the schedule. They will argue maybe if clubs get and um, players get a week to prepare, then maybe the spectacle will be better. There's nothing wrong with the spectacle as it is now. Um, all we're going to do is congest the fixture uh, calendar even more. And, yeah, we'll probably get a decent spectacle, but at what cost? The, That's the bottom line. The, the cost to... I mean, in, in England, the, the league, the Premier League, is worth so much... But we forget, I think, sometimes that in La Liga there isn't the same sort of revenue being generated. Yeah. Uh, Ligue, Ligue 1 in France or the Bundesliga, they're not making the same money. So, of course, those clubs, uh, those countries may well support it and, and it may well work even better for them. But I, I think for us it's something that, mind you, whether we'll be allowed in the Champions League anyway in years to come, <laughs> who knows? We'll have to wait and see. They might just kick us out anyway. Might be one of the uh, negotiating tactics. <laughs> yeah. Let's look at Arsenal. Let's throw the, the Arsenal bomb in the mix, shall we? Um, <laughs> At home to Newcastle on Monday, um, where's the leadership? Oh, that's a very good question. Years ago, you couldn't have named any, any number of players in terms of leadership at Arsenal. Now it seems to be a very individual club. And, and I don't, I mean, off the pitch as well as on the pitch. Uh, the leadership during the Wenger days came from Wenger. He took so many hits for the team, for the people above him, as well as for the failings of the playing staff. Now, Unai Emery is, is a gun for hire. He's been brought in to do a job. If he does it, well, great. If he doesn't, he's out and someone else has a go. And on the pitch, I, I look around that team and I see some individually very good players. But as a collective, they, they, they're very weak. Now, they play Newcastle at home. And at home, their defensive record is very strong. I think they've conceded only 10 goals this season. Away from home, they're a mess. But at home, they're, they're very strong. So they may well pull off another win to continue what has been a good run so far for them. But it's when the going gets tough, again, on and off the pitch, that they're found wanting. Aaron Ramsey's going to leave and go and join Juventus. 
how on earth is another player leaving that football club for nothing to go and play for a top team, a bigger team? They're losing millions in the transfer market because of their transfer policy. Where's the leadership there? Non-existent. Denis Suarez is a case in point there. He's turned up from Barcelona, said hello to people and basically we're going to say goodbye Absolutely. to him. Absolutely. Kim Kallstrom all over again, even worse. And I think as far as Arsenal as a club, it's actually hard to know what they're doing. They looked as though they were going to get Monchi as the director of football. He's now gone to Sevilla and stayed a U-turn. Um, so, look, they've got wonderful players, as I say, and they may well go and win their next game and, and there'll be all this feel-good factor, which will continue. And, and at this point, I've got to give them credit for a wonderful win against Manchester United and obviously against Ren, they came back to get into the quarterfinals. So credit to them for that. But if you're talking about leadership, I'm not so sure. Yeah, and they'll need it in April. They've got eight games in, in April, Tom. Yeah. And you look at that squad and it's suspiciously thin, isn't it? Yeah, it, it is. Um, I, I think the games... They've actually got a reasonably good run-in, haven't they, in the in the Premier League? Um, if, actually, like they're if you away were, to Everton, yeah, they're away if, to Wolves, if, and they're away to Leicester. Yeah, and, and if you were any other of the top five in the top six, you would say, actually, that's that's the running you want. But with Arsenal, you never quite know mm. what you're going to get. I think the key to their running and, and the key to, uh, as I mentioned earlier, who's buying dinner out of Darren and I, is <laughs> going to be those games uh, after Napoli. <coughs> I think, you know, the Europa League, we know, yes. can take a lot out of teams. I know, look, Italy's not exactly, mm. you're not flying to the back of beyond, are you? Um, to, to, or having to fly back, more importantly, from the back of beyond. But it just depends, we you know, how they come yeah. out of those games uh, and and, and what sort of form they've shown in them, you know, injuries, things like that. And, um, I, I, yeah, I think that will have the major impact on them. Mm. You mentioned earlier on, Darren, about uh, Zidane and this blizzard of, of speculation about who he's going to get. The one that had a sort of an inkling of credibility in my eyes was David De Gea. Not Mane. Not Mane. <laughs> Not Calvin. Not Calvin. <laughs> Although Calvin is available. Um Let's look at that. There's, there's a logic to that. He obviously doesn't fancy Courtois. No. Kayla Neves has done quite well, yeah. but he, he was shunted out of the picture. Where, are, If that domino falls, what happens after that? What, in terms of Manchester United? Yeah. Or, well, it, it, it will be very interesting to see because it's a, it's a big reason why you can't really make any kind of judgment about United unless they finish in the top four because it's all important to them as a club. Pogba's been talking about Real Madrid and, and making eyes at them. Um, <clears throat> they're, defensively, they, they obviously need to improve defensively as well, but will they be able to attract players if they're not in the Champions League? Say for argument's sake, they want to take Eldervide for what would be a bargain £25 million from uh, Spurs this because summer. of the clause in this summer, contract right? this summer, yes. Um, they wouldn't be able to do it because if you're Toby Eldervide and you have a better offer of a comparable team in the Champions League, you're going to choose that team. I think De Gea is at real risk of going because Courtois, who you mentioned, had another ricket on international duty uh, last week. And I think as far as he's concerned, he's in a horrendous run of form. And I think there will be a, a, few, a few Chelsea fans who won't be crying too many tears at the way that he kind of strung them along then left them in the lurch right at the end. And even when he went back to Atletico Madrid, they pelted him with rats and, and, and said, you know, you've gone to right out. So nobody likes the guy. <laughs> um, but in, in terms of 
Manchester United, I do think there could be a domino effect because I think if the Gale were to go, and, and regardless of what people may say about the Gale's form not being what it was, he is still one of the key players in that football team. He's an outstanding goalkeeper. On his day, I think he's the best in the world. And if they lose him, I think that's big trouble for Manchester United ahead. It is big trouble, but I think... They, I don't necessarily disagree that they won't be able to entice players on the back of it because look at the Alexis Sanchez. Look, I mean, we're now talking that £700,000 a week, isn't it? For, and that has absolutely and, skewed all the debates about, you know, you know, we know how the business works. Yeah, of course. Every agent has gone straight into the office and said, well, look, he's getting that, my boy needs this. But, but that's but the that, you know, that, So can they keep but, doing that? Well, that's the point. Well, they, they obviously can. I'm, I'm not saying they're going to give everyone that sort of money, but, but within, within, well, within a structure. They'd look well, at Sanchez no, you, you, and you, say, well, you'd, you're you'd doing still, this. You'd still have a structure, even if you were talking the bottom players or the bottom uh, paid players were earning, you know, the £300,000 a week and the top earners Is were... Is that sustainable? At, at Manchester United? Yes. It appears to be at the moment. I mean, but is it sustainable? Average players getting £300,000 a week? Well, if, if they're generating revenue through every other facet of the club, then yes. As long as, long as it, it works on the balance sheet for them, then they will keep paying it. And, and that's why Manchester United will be able... You know, there's probably only PSG and Manchester City, you would think, can, or, uh, can offer the same sort of salaries that Manchester United can. And that's why they will continue to sign big players. Mm. They've been linked a lot in the past with Gareth Bale. Um, I don't think it's you know any state secret to suggest that um, maybe Bale and Zidane aren't you know on first name terms. Um, where's he going to end up? It's a good question. Um, oh, he's been linked with Manchester United for the last five years, hasn't mm. he? So uh, uh, it is an obvious one. I don't. I don't really know. I mean, whenever I've spoken to to the people who are sort of in and around him and and, and in his camp, and um, you, you you speak to them and say, look reading another story about him coming back to England, Manchester United, and th they've always been very quick to say, look, there's no logic to it. He loves life in Madrid. He I, loves I, saw him to, I saw him in Madrid a couple of weeks ago and he was really happy. Yeah, love, loves life over there, family very settled over there, and who is going to pay his wages? Now, Manchester United, as we've just discussed, could afford to match his wages. Chelsea? But, um, I, I don't know if Chelsea could afford his wages at the moment. I think that, that would... That they've been very clear over the recent years that they're trying to be um, self-sufficient, aren't they? You know, and and uh, they, they can't match certain teams now. They can't match City or United, certainly. So I don't know. I, I, I really struggle to see where Gareth Bale fits into the Premier League. If he comes back now, I, I would think, you know, maybe Tottenham, if you wanted some sort of emotional return and he'd be happy to take a big pay cut. But mm. the way... Uh, Son has been playing, you know, would Very would he, would he come in? Yeah. Absolutely. Um, Chelsea, look, if they lost Hazard, the, there's the obvious opening, although we would imagine that Christian Pulisic has been bought to ultimately fill that role. I'm not saying he's anywhere near the class yet of, of Bale. Um, and, and at United, you know, what are they trying to build? Is mm. what, what will be, whoever the new manager is, what will be his remit? Um, and, and I think the way United have been in the last few, last two or three months... Uh, would suggest that they're going in a certain direction and, and that, you know, you, you'd stick with Marcus Rashford out there, would you, over Bale? I mean, uh, mm. I don't know. It's I hard think, to see for me where he, where he comes back. I think Edward was very Galactico-driven. Um, although he may be stepping a little bit back from that, I certainly do think that Bale would be one that would appeal to him still because I think he's still just the right age uh, to go to uh, a Manchester United and commercially as well. I think he would still mm. appeal to Manchester United He may have well. no choice, of course, may him. You know, if, if Real Madrid say... 
you're out of it, then, he, you know, that, that changes. Well, I think that that's what would have to happen. Yeah. I don't think that he would willingly leave no. Real Madrid. Why would you? As you say, you went over there. It's very, I've been over there. I was there when he signed. Um, and and he, he is just so happy. His family are happy. Mm. Um, he lives a great lifestyle. I think if he were to leave, he would leave for a Champions League club. A little bit like Ronaldo going to spearhead Juventus's charge towards a, a, a Champions League. He would want to leave for a club that would enable him to do that. I can't see him chuntering around to Barty Borisov with Chelsea or you know any team, even Manchester United, mm. if they were not in the top I, I even wonder if the challenge now for Gareth Bale, given how decorated he is in terms of Champions League medals, and I'm not sure he's got the same personality makeup as Ronaldo's got, where he would want to go and be seen as single-handedly driving a team onto the Champions League. I might, I might be, I might be, you know, getting him wrong with that. But I wonder if he'd somewhere like the States might appeal to him to go and, and almost be the face of the league and 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 try to take the league to another level. No, I think that's a surrender. I still think he's got some top-class, top-level football in him. I think he could go to a big European club and and become the difference. And I think, you know, while he's been there, he has been encouraged to be more. Flamboyant to be more arrogant. Has like, he, has he, yeah, I know he's been yes, encouraged, yes. but has he done it? Well, yeah. I think, he, listen, it's, it's not in his Dr. nature Ford. to be no, arrogant. It's exactly. not in his nature no, to be no. arrogant, but he's certainly been somebody who's accepted responsibility mm -hmm. and been able to, to, to show that he, he is a leader and he's somebody who can influence big matches. And also, yeah, you've got it. He produces under pressure, which yeah. is the hallmark of a top player. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think that if he were to leave, he would still see himself as a player who could go to a big European club. If it were a big club in the Premier League, yes. If it were, I think he could go. If a Spurs were able to do something mm. to get him, I think he could go there and be an asset. I think Pochettino would want to work with him because I still think, as you say, he's got the right attitude and he isn't mm. arrogant at all. Mm. I, I think that that would be fascinating to see if he were to go there because you make it work for a Gareth Bale yeah. if he were to, yeah. to be available for your club. But I don't see him in the Europa League and I don't see him leaving Real Madrid unless they force him out. Wonderful player. There. OK, let's talk about the other market. We've talked about the transfer market you know, tangentially. What about the managerial market? Tom, do you expect Rafa Benitez to stay at Newcastle? I'm... Only because I'm sort of running out of places for him to go in the Premier League. Um, he'll have, look, he will have a multitude of offers on, on the continent and he might decide that three years working with Mike Ashley is more than enough, uh, probably about two and a half years more than enough and, and want a different challenge. He might feel that after the Almiron signing in January, if I can convince him to get me a couple more players in in the summer, actually given my connection with the fans, given my feelings about the club itself apart from the, the running of it I might just fancy that but in the Premier League I, I don't see him going to any of the top six I think Pellegrini's doing a good job uh, at West Ham which was of course uh, a, a team that he, uh, Rafa Benitez nearly joined a few years ago Everton he, he's never going to go to Everton is he after managing Liverpool you wouldn't have thought even though if they got rid of Marco Silva anytime soon uh, there would be a, an opening so I, I, I struggle to see what better opportunities, if he wants to stay in England, where his family are based, if he wants to stay here, I, I'm struggling to see too many more options for him than Newcastle. I, I, I actually think there are clubs that have a lot of money burning their hole, hole in their pocket, but no strategy the where he could go. I could see him going to a Fulham. I know that, obviously, they're not in the Premier League. and uh, Well, they won't be in the Premier League. <laughs> um, they, do they need snookers just yet? Or? Not quite. Not, not quite, quite, but, but not. It won't but, be long. But, but it needs to be in Ronnie O'Sullivan for to get out of it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. 
we could keep this going all. <laughs> but but I, I I could I think the next place he goes will have to be a place that's got money and that's willing to back him because that's what he's wanted. I can't see him staying. I've got no compunction about saying that. Um, I think that he's been dancing this dance with Mike Ashley for so long. Where that, would he go, though? Where well, I think he'd go to a Fulham. I think he'd go to a place where they've got a lot of money. Do you see him dropping down? For a club with money, yes. I think if it were for a club that where he doesn't know, it would have to sell to buy, he doesn't know where the money's going to come from, no. But I think if you're a club with a lot of money, yes. And I think as far as Benitez himself is concerned, he's a politician. So if he were to leave Newcastle, he's already leave, left the groundwork for the Newcastle fans to understand he's done the best he could. He's kept them in the Premier League. He's got them into the Premier League. He's kept them into the Premier League. He doesn't owe Mark Ashley anything. Mm. And I think as far as the Newcastle fans are concerned, they would turn around and say, we had him. He was committed. You didn't give him enough to support him. We can understand. We're sad he's gone, but we can understand why he's gone. OK. Similar question. Jose Mourinho says he wants to get back in this summer. Who will have him? Very good question. More difficult question, I think, even than Rafa. Uh, I, I think PSG. Um, I mean, look, the way the way they went out of the Champions League uh, will have done Tuchel no favours uh, mm. whatsoever. Um, it's the obvious one for him, isn't it? With given his relationship with uh, the Qataris, um, don't they want style in Paris though? They do, uh, and I, I, I'm st I'm still going to stop short of of saying that Jose Mourinho doesn't bring style. I, I know there are all the age-old arguments against him. I hark back to that Chelsea, the first time out, the Chelsea team of Duff and Robin and the way they played football. He's still got that in the locker. The I'll pragmatic side the <laughs> pragmatic side has taken over too much. But I think in, in Paris, <laughs> he'd have... Let's, let's you know, the, the League One is not to be as derided as much as we do, but he'd be playing against teams with the money that PSG have got. He would be able to play with a lot more flair against those teams than they would have been able to here. I've covered loads of his press conferences and he's always talked about not going to a team where he could win the league by February. PSG win the league by February. And that's a bit of a curious second in a way because on the one hand they do that, but on the other hand there is this mountain to be conquered in the mm. Champions League mm. with the players that he's got and he would see himself yeah. as the man to be able to do that. The only problem he's got and it's a fairly big problem. His autocratic style of management doesn't work in the modern game anymore. I keep saying in modern game was he played in the 1990s or 1955. His autocratic management doesn't work. Big players are not afraid of him anymore. So if he were to come back, it'd be fascinating to see whether he has changed as a person. Mm. And whether what he's, he's learned. What he's learned, yeah. whether, whether he's melted, whether he's warmer, whether he's more amenable. Maybe he studied the likes of... Guardiola, Klopp, Pochettino, the relationship they've got with their players and thought, maybe I should make it less about me and more about them. That's what I'd like to see. And that's what he's going to have to convince clubs that he's able to do. Because he gave that interview, I think it was to Sam Wallace mm. in the Telegraph, where he said, look, I am looking, my next club is going to be a club where I get support. We're all in the same direction. Mm. Now, I wonder if maybe a really ambitious club like an Everton who've got, got loads of money but just can't seem to get the formula right, might have thought, let's just chance our up and see if he's interested. You, you, know? you, you, talk, about, you talk about that with, with Mourinho and, and the autocratic style, but that only seems to come on, the face only comes on when he's unhappy at a club. And you can almost trace, if we start you know, with the beauty of hindsight now, if you trace it back, was it February time last year that he started dropping little... Bombs here and there, and you know, it was, it was alienating people like Luke Shaw. And absolutely, like that, and you it? just, you just, 
you know, history tells us that that's when he's had enough at a club and he starts doing these things almost to work his ticket to get out of there. Yeah, we've we've been there, Darren, when, when he comes in in pre-season and he's tanned, the, he's got the nice haircut and he's, he's you know, smiling, happy, fun and, and very charismatic. And, and you know, pl- that is the sort of man that players can relate to as well. And, and his, his history of winning... As well, it's got to appeal to people. He does have to change. He has to. He has to learn from these last eighteen months or so at United. This last year at United, the last year he had at United. But I still think there is a, a, an incredible manager. The problem in there he's for got some team to get. very quickly. The problem he's got is, you know, if you're Mbappe, yeah, you look at the way Pogba fell out of him, and then you think he's coming to my club, and you're thinking, I don't know if I'm having him. Mm. You know, you look at the, man, the man, number of players in that squad who will look at the relationships he had with people at. Manchester United, Real Madrid. Okay, uh, he, he did very well at Inter Milan, and other players, players loved, loved him. Inter Milan. Yeah. Absolutely, he's, he was fantastic there. But I think those two clubs, in particular Chelsea, second time around, they will look at all of those clubs and think to themselves, "Do we want that here?" Ramos, you know, the players have a lot of power. When it looked like Conte was going to Real Madrid, Ramos came out and said, "Oh, you've got to earn respect here." Conte said, "Not for me, thank you very much. <laughs> I'll <laughs> leave it." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks, but no thanks. The antithesis of that authoritarian style is, is probably Gareth Southgate with England. Yeah. Um, you know, let's finish looking at them. Um, I just get the sense that there is a sense of freedom and almost joy there now, that people want to yeah. go there and express themselves. That is some achievement. Uh, yeah, it, it is. I mean, he's done an incredible job. And I, I think, you know, even if Gareth Southgate's reign, for whatever reason, was to end tomorrow, we'd look back on, on the last couple of years and everything he's done with nothing but delight and, and respect for everything he's achieved. He's made it like a club. Uh, he's brought uh, a situation together where there are no factions. Um, it helps when you're winning, of course. The the World Cup in the summer, uh, last summer, looked, looked like it, it broke down any barriers that there might have been between players with uh, club rivalry. Um, you know, you hear Jordan Henderson speaking over the weekend about his relationship with Raheem Sterling. I mean, they're, they're going to be going at it for the, for the next eight, eight weeks, six weeks. You know, they, they by rights, if we go back to the Rio Ferdinand Frank Lampard days, they shouldn't be talking to each other at all. But he's, he's created this mature environment where these young boys are given the freedom, as you say, um, but also he's put his trust in them he's allowed them to behave as men and I, I think they've responded to it very well I mean, we spoke to Jaden Sancho on Friday night after the um, uh, after the game against the Czech Republic and you know just full of beans full of confidence and they're just these young lads who love playing football and Coming through below that, the, the FA deserve a lot of credit as well. And, mm. you know, Gareth's had his uh, role within within this, but everyone else who's worked on it, I was at the 21s on Thursday night, you know, watching Phil Foden play, it's just a joy. And the pass that he picked out was he's, unbelievable. He's, he's, he's wonderful. And, and the, But there are other players, you know, he's the poster boy for it, but there are so many others coming through. And, and they've created this pathway into the first team where everyone feels confident, everyone believes in themselves. And the players need the credit as well for being the likes of... Sancho backing themselves yeah. going abroad. It, it's paying dividends for everyone. Callum Hudson-Odoi, youngest competitive debutant at 18 years and 135 days. What's that say about Chelsea? Yeah, absolutely it does because I think Chelsea, it's weird with Chelsea. They've got so many good young players they're just not getting the regular first-team football that could save them millions in the transfer market. Maybe this <laughs> might, might have to. Might yeah. actually help, yeah. yeah but, um, look, I, I think... There are a number of things that are united, are uniting those players. Um, one of them was obviously 
the Raheem Sterling situation and the way that he's speaking out about the representation of black footballers. Uh, another is the whole Hudson Odoi situation where and, as, and the solidarity they have with him as a young player who wants to be able to go and play regular first team football elsewhere. Danny Rose being open about mental health and the situation uh, and the sympathy and solidarity that they've had for him and the wider public have had that for him as well. Um, there, there is just that solidarity. I don't think club rivalries are able to cut through some of those things that affect them as young men, mm. uh, all find all making their way in life as well as in the game, and that's been to Gareth Southgate's benefit in a big way. But he's given them that opportunity as well, hasn't he? He's given yeah. them the belief and confidence in themselves yes. to be able to speak like that. You know, we're not yeah. a lot of these things that you're talking about now have happened within the last year. Gareth yeah. Southgate has been in charge. The length and of it's time interesting because he's put Sterling on the. He was telling us that he put Sterling on on the leadership team within the England squad, but the FA. You, you were talking about the FA, and the FA deserve credit because finally we've got an FA who are treating these guys like men, like adults, not stopping them from talking at every opportunity, not preventing them from talking about issues that affect them that they need to deal with, that they, other young people could benefit from, not just other players, but other young men, other young black men, other young white men. Mm. You know, other men could look at those, you know, the, Danny Rose talking about depression and the way that it affected him and the way that he, he'd struggled with it and didn't find he could talk about it and all those issues. That resonates with people far outside the game. The adult approach that the FA are taking to managing the England team is paying dividends for their perception by the wider public, helping us to fall back in love with them, but also for those players because they can play with a freedom, with a joy, with a release that we're all benefiting from. And it helps when you're winning. It certainly does. Final point. Top four. You know, we've talked about Chelsea just there. Um, it's, who's, who are them basically going to be the two teams to miss out? So give me, very quickly, your top four. City, Liverpool, Spurs and Manchester United. City, Liverpool, Manchester United and Spurs. Well, I'll stick with my original prediction that Liverpool will win the league. City, Spurs and United, the best of the rest. Thanks for joining us here on the Football Writers Podcast. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.